0: Welcome to Dire Trip, where we deep dive into all sorts of spooky, horrific, or just plain weird crimes, lawsuits, and strange happenings all over the world. Without further ado, let's get into today's story. Hey everyone and welcome to the 300k subscriber special. This is a point that I never really thought that I would get to. Uh, Probably about a year ago, someone asked me, you know, what number of subs do you consider to be like a big YouTube account? And I think I responded with 300,000. A year ago, I was probably probably like 100K. So it still seemed really far away at the time. So first off, thank you to everyone for watching, subscribing and doing everything that helps out the channel. First off, I'm going to go over some case updates to some cases I've covered in the past. We've got like five or six of them this time. And then I'm going to go into the Q&A session that I talked about in the community post a few weeks ago. So let's get started. So first we have a probably final update on Mark Latunsky. Mark Lutonsky was the man who would meet men on Grindr and lure them back to his home where he would do unspeakable things to them. This all spiraled out of control until he took a man named Kevin Bacon back to his home, murdered him, and ate his man bits. The original video had mark ready to face a jury back in october facing charges of both murder and mutilation of a body if he was convicted he was looking at life in prison and this year it was decided that yes mark will spend the rest of his life in prison before his sentencing the victim impact statements from kevin's mom dad and sister were read aloud in court in your sick twisted mind you probably don't think you did anything wrong his mother wrote this Christmas, I hope you suffer like we have. Mark Letunski was sentenced to life without parole after pleading guilty to the crime back in September. This case is now closed. I can't imagine what kind of updates could come after this. While I'm on the subject, I'm thinking about remaking the original video about this case, given that a lot of new details about the case have come to light and that the whole thing has come to an actual conclusion. I might honestly kind of do that with any case that has completely wrapped up and introduced a lot of new information. Uh, let me know what you think about that. And now we've got zachary latham you know who else but zach latham i guess i kind of owe it to him for being the first video on my channel that anybody actually watched so here's an update on him if you might remember zach was a gigantic douche and made that very clear to keep it brief zach was the neighborhood bully who spent his time bothering his neighbors for TikTok, like calling them karens when they reasonably got angry at his behavior like trying to run over their kids This ended in a huge fight between Zack, his wife, his friends, and the neighborhood family that he focused most of his terror on. This fight ended with the death of the father in that family. In one update video, we talked about how Zack had ran off to Florida and got in trouble for flashing a fake AK on somebody. In another update, we talked about how he was taken back to jail in New Jersey and got dumb dreadlocks. He was left in jail for the time being. Well, where we stand now, Zach Latham has been living with his family after the court released him from jail in May of 2022. But luckily, the court has also charged Zach's wife for her role in the crimes. During a more recent court hearing, Superior Court Judge Kristen P.D. Arigo decided to schedule the trial to begin on March 7th, next week. It'll begin with a jury selection. It might be a while before anything significant happens in the trial, though, but I'll be here when it does. And now we've got the shopping cart killer. For this one, we have an update on the shopping cart killer, an ongoing serial killer case I talked about sometime last year, last summer I think. You'll probably remember him as the guy who left his victims in shopping carts most of the time. Well, unfortunately, even with the killer in jail, the story isn't quite over yet. We left off when his fifth victim was found in Washington DC, or at least he's the most likely suspect in that murder at least. Well, now the shopping cart killer has been linked to one more murder out in Virginia, that of another woman. This one is one he seems to have been dated, a woman named Sky Allen. Skye was originally believed to have died from cardiac arrhythmia back in February of 2018, although now the authorities believe that wasn't actually the case. They're looking into whether or not Robinson played a part in her murder, but they seem to be leaning towards the assumption that he did. Sky's mother, a woman named Stacy Allen, told the news media that she never did believe that her daughter really did die of a heart condition back then. She was actually the one who found her unconscious and struggling to breathe in her bedroom on Valentine's Day. In November of 2021, Stacy was contacted by detectives from Virginia over three years after her daughter's death. They were wanting to ask her some questions about Robinson. Trials and investigations are still ongoing for the previous murders as the more current cases continue to be investigated as well. Then we've got Sheila O'Leary. Sheila O'Leary, 38 years old, was a woman that I featured on a Strange Cases compilation a couple of months back. She was the woman who was forcing her family to eat a strict vegan diet, usually nothing but fruits and vegetables, including her baby. And due to what resulted from this, the starvation death of her son, she has now been sentenced. Sheila's sentencing had been delayed over and over, four times in the end, after she was convicted on first-degree murder charges in 2019 over the death of her son, Ezra. Well, just recently she was handed two 30-year sentences for aggravated child abuse and aggravated manslaughter of a child, along with an additional five-year term for child abuse and child neglect, all to be served concurrently. The judge also ordered her to have absolutely no contact with her surviving children. Her defense attorney said after the hearing that he intends to appeal her sentence, despite her being lucky to get off this lightly in the eyes of many. Her husband, Ryan O'Leary, is still in jail while awaiting trial on the same charges. And then finally we have Kendra Gale Likari. Kendra Gale Likari was another person that I covered in a recent compilation video. You'll probably remember her as the Mount Pleasant woman who was accused of catfishing her own daughter and terrorizing her and harassing her and her boyfriend with all sorts of messages. Usually, she was sending them offensive and threatening messages from a variety of sources, you know, different phone numbers, different social media accounts, uh, anyway. Kendra was sentenced to show up to a preliminary examination before the Isabella County District Judge, Sarah Spencil Noggle, back on the afternoon of January 12th. Rather than go ahead with the witness testimony, she decided to waive her right to the hearing. Because of this, the judge sent her over to the circuit court, where her options will be to either take her case to trial or enter into a plea agreement. Currently, Kendra is charged with two counts of stalking a minor, which is a five-year felony, two counts of using a computer to commit a crime, an even higher ten-year felony, and one count of obstruction of justice, which is another five-year felony. Kendra is free on Bond at the moment, and her trial date is still pending. Unfortunately, we still don't have an answer to the question that I mainly wanted to know, which was, why did she even do it in the first place? She still refuses to give any sort of interview. And that wraps up the update, so I'm gonna move on to the Q&A now, so if you were only interested in that and you want to duck out, that's perfectly fine with me. Up to you, thanks for being here. For those of you who are interested in the questions, well, let's get started. All right, let's get into these questions. I think I've got everything I need. I have the hat, the same one since last time, I think, because I, I never moved it. Perfect. And then, as many requested, I have the champagne. What kind, you ask? Cheap kind. So now, let's see if I can actually open it. Getting there, almost. It's gonna scare me again. Oh, oh that wasn't that bad, okay. Ooh, that comes out fast. All right, so let's get into it. Uh, okay. First questions are from Patreon. I always promise that I'll prioritize those and the rare q and I do, I'd better do it. So first one is from Rain Noir and it says, if you had to lose a toe, which toe would it be? Bonus toe if you've already lost one. Well, I haven't lost any, but if I had to lose one, it would be one of the pinky toes. I don't feel like I need it and the nail is always the weirdest looking on that one anyway, who wants that? Next one is from Impalato, and it says, What motivates you in your personal life and professional or YouTube aspect? Uh, what motivates me in my personal life is probably needing money to not die. On YouTube, it's probably uh, watching other channels that I really like and kind of getting inspired to keep going with it. I mean, definitely all the good comments and the, the subs going up is also a huge motivator, honestly. Like, I don't think people realize how much it really does mean when I just get the random DM on social media that's just like, hey, I like your videos, keep it up. To them, it probably only took like a minute to write, but to me, that might mean a lot. So, Sash Johnson asks, if you could meet any of the criminals you've discussed, who would it be and why? That one is a really hard one, and I've I've been thinking about it for a while, because usually their motivations are pretty clear, and a lot of the time, the motivation isn't really motivation. They're just crazy but if i could meet any it would probably be uh thomas steeman the uh the the jizz injecting dude just i just want to ask like why what what were you doing with that i mean deep down i know it was probably some like dumb domination thing of his but i don't know it's just so weird I, i just have to ask stephanie moore says what is the strangest coincidence that's ever happened to you uh the strangest coincidence would probably just be making a youtube channel and actually having people see it i don't know if you would call that a coincidence or if you would call it like just luck but to me it's 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 a huge thing because i feel like with youtube a lot of it is the effort you put in but a lot of it's just algorithm stuff too that you can't really control and you kind of have to luck into that sometimes so i've got a a long ass one from marsh like like usually says hello hair kyle I have a few questions for you, Parnishka. I, I don't know what that means, so I'm, I'm hoping it's not something bad. Um, who is the best girl in Doki Doki Literature Club? I've actually never played it, so unfortunately I'm gonna have to say I don't know. Do, would you ever wear a maid outfit on camera? Your fans would love that. Uh, I, I don't have one, but I'm open to the idea. Twa. can you say a sentence in Japanese? I heard that your fluent and Nihonese rice man pinches your left cheek. Uh, I'm kind of surprised no one's asked me to do this before, but, uh, If you had to have dinner with a past or present Governor General of Canada, who would it be? I, I only know Justin Trudeau, so I guess that kind of has to be my answer. Sinker. finally, what is your favorite game of all time, mister? That would be Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Thank you for answering the questions, Monsieur. I hope your pronunciations get better in the future, ghost. Sorry for calling you a ghost. You're just pale as hell. You're so pale that a refrigerator light would give you a tan. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Lord Fool says, What is the most objectively funny crime you've ever heard about slash covered? Okay, I, I have a few. So going back, Thomas Steeman. Yeah, definitely that's one of them. Uh, and then the two guys who had the backwoods sex change operation going on in their airbnb trailer and that the third one would probably be the guy from springfield i covered who wrote his uh bank ransom note on the back of his own birth certificate there's probably others that i'm not even remembering at the time but those immediately come to mind so then uh sash johnson came back and said does your girlfriend share your interest in weird and dark crimes and that answer is an unfortunate no it's pretty much just me looking like a crazy person Oh, and then, do you ever worry that investigators are going to look at you for a murder and consider your channel as inculpatory? Uh, well, I didn't think about it before, but I'm probably going to worry about it now. Aye. Multaz Haq said, would you rather fight a hundred duck-sized horses or one-horse-sized duck? It's going to have to be the hundred duck-sized horses. I just feel like that would that would be a much cooler spectacle. Alright, so off of Patreon and going back to just the general YouTube questions, we're starting out here with this one. Any case you've covered that left you confused? For instance, there's the story about the elderly couple that got harassed for years until they passed away and no one knows why and who did it. Uh, I would have to say a lot of them left me just confused. Sometimes it's confused as to like, just why, why would you do this? Other times, it's because, you know, it's unsolved and there's just no link to anybody or anything. There is a case that has left me really confused that I want to cover later, so I don't want to spoil too much now, but you'll probably know it when you see it. A lot of potential outcomes on that one. So then we have this one. Would you consider making a Dire Trip podcast? Uh, you know, I've thought about it, but... I'd probably have to wait for the channel to get a whole lot bigger first, because I feel like usually when a YouTuber makes a podcast, only a fraction of their subs would probably even watch it. So maybe somewhere down the line, but I'm definitely open to being a guest on some. I've, I've been on one in the past, and I want to do that again. Next question is, have you ever been recognized in public by a fan? Have you ever had an awkward interaction explaining what you do for a living? Um, I've been recognized twice. Uh, well, two times where they addressed me as Dire Trip, and then a couple of other times where I was told, hey, you look like a guy on YouTube, and I just kind of said, oh, yeah, that's weird. Uh, when it comes to awkward interactions, uh, I honestly just don't really tell people. I just tell them, like, I, I do video editing or something like that. It's it- it's easier. Uh, the next one is, what case disturbed you the most? Uh, that would be the Junko Puruda case. Uh, it's just gotta be. I mean, that one disturbed me long before I even covered it. I heard about it probably 10 years ago, and e- it stands out. Uh, the second part to this question is, I can't recall any in-depth cases dealing with infanticide. Is that a conscious choice? Uh, Yeah, kind of. I mean, I, I have actually covered a few if you go back, but it's a real hot button for YouTube, and they will usually just straight up delete it. You know, beyond age restriction, just delete it. Uh, the next question is, what's your general process for getting more information about cases when they're really obscure? And unfortunately, uh, there's not really one answer to that question. It could be from any number of places, like, uh, sometimes you'll end up on forums and they have dead links from who knows when and you gotta go on the Wayback Machine and try to dig them up if you can, and some other times it's just deep on Google, some other times you gotta ask people, it, it could really be anything. Uh, Next one is, if you love horror video games, which one would be your favorite? Uh, That would hands down be Silent Hill 2. That one's probably going to stick with me forever. In a good way, and, you know, in a bad way. But bad in the way that horror is. The next question is, is there a case you covered that stuck with you for a long time? And, yeah, that would... That's probably been a lot of them, actually. Most of the the in-full detail cases have been ones that have really stuck around. I think that a good, like, four out of six or seven of them have been Japanese cases, but I don't know, maybe they stuck with me because there wasn't a lot of detail on the English side of the internet at the time and I had to really dig for myself. Maybe that's why it stuck, but they are also horrible, you know, no denying that. Uh, The next one is, have you ever received any comments or harassment from the people or family members of any cases you've covered? That's a really good question and it's kind of hard to answer because it's almost impossible to tell if these people are who they say they are. Uh, One time, I was contacted by the daughter of one victim who wanted to talk to me, and we scheduled a phone call, and uh, it just never happened. Another time, someone just wanted to know uh, where I got my information from, I sent them the sources, and they were pretty much like, oh, okay. So, not really harassment, just a few kind of, I don't know, short conversations, you might say. The next question is how long does it take for you to make a video on average? Do you have multiple stages that go into creating a video? I try to make a video a week, so usually I try to make the video in a week, but you know, sometimes it's just not working out that way, and usually I'm working on more than one at once. I find that I'll get pretty burned out just looking at one single thing day after day, so sometimes that helps, but usually it's, uh research over the weekend and on Monday, write the script on Tuesday, gather up all the photos, videos, relevant stuff on Wednesday, film on Thursday, and edit on Friday. I'm really routine-oriented, so I try to always keep it going like that. Uh, the next one is, is your logo a yokai? Uh, actually, it's not. I might have mentioned this before, but it's just the the eyeball portion of a self portrait that I did years ago. I actually redrew that self-portrait kind of recently. I'll put it up on screen here if you're curious. But yeah, people ask me if it's uh, the Illuminati. They ask me if it's the Dijal, which is like uh, the Islamic Antichrist. And uh, no, <laughs> it's not that deep. It's my eye. Uh, the next one is, I-, I kind of answered this already, but how long do these cases usually take you to make? I know you probably cut a lot of recording time down. Uh, yeah, when it comes to like just recording, like a 20 minute video will usually take me several hours <laughs> to get through. I I go out slow, I run out of breath, and I have to cut a lot, so it, it, it adds up. Oh, next one is what's your favorite Pokemon? That would be Weavile. I think I've even drawn Weavile a couple of times, which I'll also put up on screen magically. The next question. I'd ask you what your favorite case was, but given the subject of many of the cases, I think it'd be a bit odd to call any case a favorite. So in that case, what was the most interesting case slash most shocking case that you've covered? Ah, that's tough. My favorite videos are probably actually the ones that weren't very dark, because you can kind of just have a little more fun working on those. Like, definitely the Russian protester who uh, nailed his junk to the sidewalk is one of my favorites, and it's also one that hardly anybody watched. There's also some of the compilations ones, like the, the butt plug full of ashes was another great one to work on. The next question is what is the reason you got into crime cases and have you ever had a moment of doubt when reading articles about certain crime on whether it was useful information or even something way too disturbing to mention? So the reason I got into it was probably just watching way too much crime stuff on TV as a kid. Moment of doubts? All the time. Like uh, Usually it's best to check dates on articles because the more recent ones are probably more accurate. But Even then, I've made mistakes and trusted articles that I shouldn't have in the past. When I did, I usually uh, put something in the description or in a comment about it. I'd say probably the worst one was in the Junko Frututa case, where pretty much every article about the criminals in that case gives wrong adult images of some of the criminals. I think I blurred it out in the original video, but yeah, there's a lot of misinformation out there. But when it comes to too disturbing to mention, uh, usually no. Usually I'll always try to include it in some way, even if I have to soften the language a little bit. But I usually don't really hold back when making my videos. Next one is, have you ever dealt with any scary crimes in your own life, whether it happened to you or you witnessed it as a bystander? Uh, there was one where I wasn't really a witness, but the woman in the apartment below me actually got murdered after she let in a homeless man, I guess, trying to be charitable? I don't know. He just pretty much killed her that day. So that that one's one that kind of sticks out. Next one is, where do you think the most gruesome murder cases happen if you had to pick a country? I would have to say it probably is America on that one, but it's kind of hard to tell because the population of the U.S. is huge and the media really loves to cover this kind of stuff. I feel like with a lot of countries, they kind of try to tone it down, maybe keep up their image a little bit, protect privacy a little more, but the American media is pretty ruthless. So maybe it just seems like it's America, but just from what I've seen and read, yeah, it's pretty pretty consistent. So the next one is, what do you think about the recent backlash against true crime channels in the wake of the Dahmer controversy? That's a complicated one. Uh, usually when I hear of backlash, it's not really people just hating the genre as a whole. A lot of people seem to hate the more sensationalist kind of speculative kind of stuff. Like when I hear people complain, they're usually complaining about people getting too into theatrics, and even more I see people complaining about when the content creators will just kind of come up with their own solution to the crime and present it as if it's mostly fact. There's nothing wrong with putting the theories out there, especially if you list a couple of common theories about the case, but just Deciding yourself when you don't really have the experience, I I can see why people wouldn't like that. But when it comes to just not liking the genre entirely, I feel like that's kind of a slippery slope. Because in that case, is the news media who originally reported on the crime also in the wrong? Because, you know, they posted it, they're running ads, they're making a lot more money than any content creator would have. I think it's just kind of dangerous to go down the road of presenting facts as being immoral, because you could really apply that to anything. I think it kind of comes down to the opinion of whoever's watching, really. But in the end, no one's really come after me about it personally, and I I was kind of surprised. I thought I might get something, but if anything, people were like, hey, thanks for just sticking to the facts and not getting too opinionated, and I- I'm glad people notice that because it's something I've always tried to do. Yeah, so I went on that one a long time, so uh, the next question is, do you feel less trustful of others since making this content, or you find yourself being paranoid? The answer to that is a definite yes. I-, I wouldn't say I really have trust issues or anything like that, but I'm definitely, you know, way more careful about always making sure my door is locked and, uh, recording anything that might be off. Part of that, I think, is because a lot of these cases would have been probably solved if people would have started recording when weird, really suspicious things started happening. So this one is, do you have any siblings? And yeah, I have two. Two younger brothers. The next one is, what's your favorite dinosaur? That would be the Utah Raptor, which I've also drawn a couple of times. Plug. So the next one is, who would you send as a negotiator for humanity? Like, like to aliens or something? I would go myself. So the next one is, will you cover famous murder cases from Southeast Asia? I would be willing to, though. I just haven't really come across any. The next one is, do you have any cats, and if so, please show us. And I'm going to have to apologize and say I do not. The next one is, would you ever consider the possibility of actually doing so much as to be? Do, yes, should, I would be that. Next is, what's your favorite type of cookie? Peanut butter. Then I have, was there a case that gave you nightmares? I really don't think so, honestly. Somehow I've escaped all of this without a nightmare related to a crime. My nightmares are stupid. They're like, uh, there's a spider that keeps growing larger and larger and is also immortal. So that's a no, somehow. Uh, The next is, ever heard of the two shows, Lupin the Third and Prodigal Son? I have heard of Lupin the Third. I have not heard of Prodigal Son. I watched Lupin a lot in high school. Next is, how do you like your coffee? I don't drink coffee. Probably gonna get a lot of hate for that one. So next one is, I'm from Belgium. We have a serial killer slash abductor here that is very notorious in our neighborhood countries for sure. And I think it would set a great example for awareness. Would you consider doing a case that happened in Belgium? And yeah, I would consider it. Uh, It really comes down to is, is there enough info to really make a video off of and is the information trustworthy? There's always a few factors that comes into how I choose a case that I choose. Next one is uh, your favorite HelloFresh meal, and that would have to be the Firehouse Burgers. They are really good. and I kind of wish they would just send me that one every time. I mean, I wouldn't care. They probably would, but I wouldn't care. Next is what got you into this type of content. Uh, That would be watching shows like uh, World's Most Haunted, Unsolved Mysteries, uh, Forensic Files, all that kind of stuff as a kid and then when I got older YouTube became a thing and people started talking about it on YouTube so naturally I was all for it and then uh during Corona I was bored and watching YouTube pretty much all the time and someone suggested why don't I make content about cases that I haven't seen anyone else talk about and I said okay it's it's pretty pretty simple. So it says what state do you live in or country? Uh, I'm in Missouri in the US at the moment but won't be for too much longer. So this one says, My girlfriend says, You kind of look like you had to be a long-lost brother of Drake, Bell and Drake and Josh. Is this a compliment or a crime? Well, I mean, he's not a bad-looking guy, so I guess it's a compliment. I mean, it's usually a compliment to say, you know, you look like a celebrity. But I actually did get that a lot when the show was ongoing, so I'm not surprised. (laughs) This next one is, Favorite type of cat, silver tabby. So the next one is, did slash do you want to go into criminal forensics or anything similar field of study? Another similar field of study. Or is this channel just a side project you do for fun? So honestly, no, I don't really want to get into it because I get enough enjoyment just doing this, just being an enthusiast more than a career dude. But I wouldn't say this channel is a side project. It's something that I'm pretty much mainly doing now i i'm on it every day so next is could you do a video on the suicide forest and i'm gonna have to say probably not for one it's it's kind of done to death no pun intended kind of intended and then two it was kind of ruined by a certain butt bag youtuber who really put a stigma on the whole topic in general so it's probably not but i do have a similar topic that i might topic about